0: If the thing I had to do was try and go, well, I can see, and it's still probably to this day, it's something, probably one of the biggest struggle areas is articulating, taking something out of my brain that I just know, or something that I know from my gut, a gut instinct, and relaying that to someone. Now, I've gotten much better at that now, but it took me a long time to do because of the whole thing. It's like, oh, I'll just do it. They can't do it as good as me. I kept thinking that's It's like, well, actually, I am not a brain surgeon, NASA scientist where it's like I'm not the top echelon of, like, thinkers in the world. Um, so why can't I teach someone to do that?
1: That is the voice of Kim Barrett from Your Social Voice, one of Australia's leading PPC agencies all the way from Western Australia. Uh, he's also a member of our high-end mastermind program, The Mavericks Club. And on this episode, we talk about running paid advertising campaigns for clients, how to scale that. And uh, Kim unpacks his brain in terms of how he has developed his processes, what he calls the guide to running his business. And now how he is licensing that uh, guide out now to other agencies who want to run PPC, PPC campaigns for clients. And in fact, he is giving those agencies leads. That's right. He's giving leads to other agencies and he's packaged up his IP and is now licensing that to other agencies so that they can run a successful PPC agency. It's an amazing episode, packed full of goodness. Stay with us. This is the WP Elevation podcast, helping WordPress consultants elevate. Just before we get into this episode of the podcast, I have a quick favour to ask. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on iTunes at wpelevation.com slash iTunes. Or if you're not an Apple user, you can get us on Stitcher Radio at wpelevation.com slash Stitcher. And please, if you are on iTunes, leave us a rating and a review. It really does help us come up in the search results and get the show in front of a wider audience. And we love your feedback and we read all of the reviews. Thanks in advance. Now let's get back to the show. G'day folks, Troy Dean here and welcome back to the very first live stream episode of the WP Elevation podcast for 2019. Uh, I'm not sure exactly when this is going to be streamed to our podcast feed on iTunes, but you can watch it right here live if you like. Today uh, we are joined by my good friend all the way from Western Australia, from your social voice, uh, Kim Barrett. Kim, welcome to the program.
0: Thank you for having me, good sir, appreciate it.
1: Thank you. Um, now, for those that don't know uh, who Kim Barrett is, what's the elevator pitch? What uh, I suppose there's probably the Kim Barrett elevator pitch and there's your social voice elevator pitch, isn't there?
0: Yeah, essentially I'll do your social voice. That's probably a little bit kinder than making it all about me. <laughs> so essentially your social voice, what we like to do is help experts Exponentially scale their businesses so they can focus on doing what they do best Um, And that is how we like to roll and we do that through Facebook ads funnels all the fun online social media stuff
1: Mm. Do you do um, the the first question I had when I came across your stuff is do you do social media management or is it just paid traffic? So
0: we do predominantly pay traffic however some of our clients will do some social media management for them scheduling things up giving them advice on what to do but predominantly on the front end that's yeah we we try and stay away from that and disassociate ourselves from the social media management stuff.
1: Awesome, I understand why. I used to do that once upon a time too, and I totally get it. Uh, So coming up, for those watching along, coming up on today's show, we're gonna be talking about scaling a services business and how you continue to service your clients as you grow, because that is a challenge. We're also gonna be talking about how you can take some of your services and IP and package them up into products, which Kim has done very well. And we're also just gonna be getting inside Kim's head as an entrepreneur and find out what makes him tick. So Kim, let's just take a little step back and uh, find out what were you doing before you decided to start a social media agency?
0: Uh, I've been doing lots of things. So um, basically I used to, when I went to university, sort of good stuff and then thought I was gonna get a job in like management consulting or something cool like that because I thought it sounded cool at the time. So I was working in like accounting firms, IT companies, grain trading companies as a general manager, office manager and um, quickly realized that wasn't really what I wanted to do. So I'd always had a like, exposure to the online world I would say and once you know I started to see the opportunities there I really started pushing that way and quit my job and all that sort of stuff and yeah, probably quit my job too early, um, <laughs> put myself under a bit of pressure, but, uh, you know, that's where, how you make diamonds, right? So, uh, yeah, so that was always good fun. So that's what I used to be working in a few companies, always studied marketing, did marketing online, did affiliate marketing and whatnot, and then made the leap into my own agency, yeah, about four or five years ago now.
1: So when you quit the job… Um, it is a very scary thing to do. Um, I remember when I quit my last job; it was out of necessity because uh, I was, you know, probably going to end up killing the bloke that I was working for, and I was just so miserable. I just, I, I, it just got to a point where I had no choice. I just had to get out and do my own thing. But did you? Was it? A, what was the process of you going? What was going on in your mind? And how long did that process take for you to actually say, okay, you know, because it is a scary proposition. I can do this. I'm going to back myself. How long did that process take?
0: Um, well, I always kind of knew I could do it, and um, I always had a belief in backing myself. But the the thing that made me jump across was really more so the freedom aspect. When I say freedom, is because it was Christmas time, and they said you like only like once every th- there's like five staff. Once every five years, can you have the whole Christmas period off? Because we have um, clients to service, and they don't celebrate Christmas and whatnot you've got to be here and i'm like well christmas is the time i want to spend with my family and now you're saying i can have you know the public holidays off but then i'm going to be in the office you know at, at christmas time we normally go away visit our family just north of perth and things like that so i was like that's what really broke the broke the camel's back so to say mm-hmm. for me so when that when i got that it was like the second year and i was just like oh nah, like this is not for me it's like i'm just gonna go go out on my own so i'm pretty sure i quit on like the twenty eighth of December or something like that,
1: uh, and uh, and you say you put yourself under a bit of pressure, so you didn't really have anything kind of set up to replace that income.
0: No, I was earning like two, I had like a client pay me like two hundred bucks a week for social media management at wow. the time. Wow, so um, that was a little bit stressful going from like nearly like fifteen hundred bucks a week to that. So it yeah, was. Yeah. Uh, interesting time it was definitely a sink or swim scenario <laughs>
1: wow um and what, what what are some of the key lessons that if you could, I know this is a bit of a a cookie cutter question but if you could go back and have a chat with kim back then what are some of the key lessons that you'd say right when you quit your job these are the sort of the first three or four things you need to do in the first couple of months to start to get traction and to start to replace some of that income
0: um i mean there's so many but you know I, these questions are always like an interesting one because i always say well if I didn't actually go through the experiences, I wouldn't be where I am right now. So if I went back, who knows what directory I could be on, it could be worse, right? So it was mm-hmm. like I always look at that. But if I was to go back and look at it properly, I would say that really, I could have teed up if I wasn't as, I'll say, hot-headed, I really could have had that, that income pretty close to replace by doing it properly. And when a lot of people ask me now, I go, look, unless you literally have like a stomach of steel Probably not a good idea to do what I did. Like, there's no reason why, especially if you're consulting or anything like that, you can build that income up mm, before yeah. you make that leap. So it's a little bit, you know, less stressful. Your hairline doesn't get as receded. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little bit uh, easier that way. That would be probably one of the big lessons for me, um, for me looking at that. But then also knowing, and it's probably, and I still occasionally do this badly when I look at launching products or services is making sure I have the niche that I want to serve with the right product or service. Because when you go out and you're trying to be a generalist, Like I was doing social media management for random companies and, you know, like they I was doing what I thought was a good job. But, you know, someone else could have done probably a better job for them and I could have been better off serving a different client in a different niche, helping them get results. So Mm -hmm. uh, I always think it's very important to have that uh, at least like who you want to work with to start off with figured out as opposed to uh, just jumping out there and doing anything for everyone for, uh, you know, I call it being an entrepreneur which is like, you yeah. know, like just doing whatever, everything, um, for anyone at any price.
1: Yeah. Being a general workshop open for business. Um, yeah. so how long did it take you to realize that? Cause I'm guessing that social media management wasn't like, I'm guessing there's a whole bunch of other things that you did before you kind of refocused on social media management. How long did it take for you to realize, okay, social media management is my sweet spot or social media, you know, paid traffic and paid acquisition is my sweet spot. That's what I'm going to focus on. At what point did you start saying no to other opportunities?
0: Um, well, I was pretty poor at saying no to opportunities. I was always like, I'll try and figure it out, probably for the first year. because Someone would say, oh, I want a website. It's like, cool, I can do websites. Oh, I can do this. I can do that. Um, I could. I used to work at an accounting firm, setting up companies. So, like, I need a company set up for my new business. Yeah, I'll do that as well. <laughs> so, um, I did basically everything. But what I quickly figured out was when I was going to meetings and I was talking about social media, everyone was like, cool. And this was, you know, four or five years ago. So, you know, there's much a worse conversation to have back then. Mm. And they were like, well, cool. Like, what are we going to get from this? And I'm like, well, your social media managed, right? That was like, the answer I had is like, well, I'm going to, you have posts, you have engagement, you have this. And it's like, well, what does that actually mean? And I was like, "That's a good question? Um, It means literally that people like literal definition of what it was, but then I was like, well, actually, as a business owner myself, I, at that time, because I was starting up and I was growing, I was like, I wouldn't pay someone for this. I would pay for leads, mm. I would pay for my business growing. So I was like, well, actually, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. And purely it was just because I really, I'm sure people, other people can be more articulate in describing social media management. I couldn't uh, explain to them why they should pay me for it. So I was like, well, if I can explain why they should pay me for it, and like how it's going to tangibly benefit them then maybe I should focus on something else. And that's when I looked back, like, on my advertising history and stuff that I'd done where, you know, back in the day, I'd done online uh, marketing for forums and all this other sort of stuff. I was like, well, what if I did something like this and just married it up with Facebook and see what we can do there? And then I started working um, internally in a company, and they basically – I didn't really know that I probably wasn't super skilled in ads at the time. Like, I, I was better than them, but not super skilled. And those basically said, look, come along, work for us. We'll pay you 800 bucks a week, and we'll give you as much budget as you want to spend as long as we're getting a return. So wow. that's what I did, and that really got me um, – like that really helped me figure out how to do everything at scale when you suddenly are dropping, you know, a couple thousand, a thousand, a couple thousand bucks a week on ads Mm -hmm. um, to figure out how to make them work, scale, and uh, effectively get a return for a business as well.
1: Mm. So this is an interesting point because you you learnt to become a technician, right? You learnt how to run paid ad campaigns for clients by doing it for an employer, a client that you were working for at the time. At some point, you realise... Uh, when you're in business that you can't do everything all the time so you need to start hiring some people to come in and help you and what I'm really curious about is how do you uh, because it's a, a challenge that I've been through and I know most of the people listening to this podcast or watching this will have been through the same challenge or are going through it now how do you bring people in and then get them to live up to your expectations or produce the same quality work that you know you can
0: Mm, that's a good question. Um, the first thing that I did, the first person I actually brought on board was I. The first thing I did was outsource my weak areas, which was design, because like I was using Canva cropping pictures of videos and then putting trying to put borders on them and I was not good. So mm. <laughs> uh, the first thing I outsourced was someone who could design ads for me. So um, I was very beneficial in that part because pretty much anyone was better than me at that. I was taking, you know, random stock images and um, drawing stuff on them and it was, didn't like it got the job done, but it was not pretty. But then when I had to bring ad people on board who were um, to try and like the, the thing I had to do was try and go, well, I can see, and it's still probably to this day, it's something probably one of the biggest struggle areas is articulating taking something out of my brain that I just know, or something that I know from my gut, a gut instinct, and relaying that to someone. Now I've gotten much better at that now, but it took me a long time to do because of the whole thing. It's like, oh, I'll just do it. They can't do it as good as me. I kept thinking that it's like, well, actually, I am not a brain surgeon, NASA scientist where it's like, I'm not the top echelon of like creative thinkers in the world. Um, so why can't I teach someone to do that? So I just had to try and re, re, uh, re-ask that question to myself and go, mm. well, there is something, there is a process that I go through. And it's like, cool, if I feel something is bad when I'm looking at an account, why do I feel it's bad? Oh, well, it's because of this, this and this. Okay, cool. And then just like spewing that information out so that I could train someone up to be able to do that. And it took a long time to do, um, And I remember it was actually one, I pitched a job one time and this is really when it kind of hit me and the guy said, um, it it was me versus someone else. They're looking at a conversion rate optimization person or an ads person. And they went with the conversion rate optimization company who were charging them 20 grand a month. I was pitching them at like four grand a month. Wow! So I was cheaper and I was like, I'm gonna give you guys way better results. Ended up, they worked with the conversion rate guys for three months. They couldn't improve their conversion rate either. Right, and they paid them 60 grand. But he said, the reason why we went with these guys is because they had a methodology and a process. We felt like you shot from the hip and you you were just like going from your gut, which was cool, but we didn't want to bank our business on that. Mm-hmm. I was like, ah, right. And then the next day, I built the Your Social Voice methodology. <laughs> like, I was like, guy just cost me, you know, like what would be probably 60 grand for me over a year. Mm-hmm. But they paid that to these guys in three months then didn't even improve their conversion rate.
1: Mm-hmm. It's, it's fascinating, and um, for those that don't know, and probably you wouldn't because if you're just watching this or listening and tuning in for the first time, Kim is actually part of our Mavericks Club mastermind, and one of the things that we talk about in the mastermind is productizing. How do you take your services, turn them into unique products? Um, I was really heavily inspired around this topic by a guy by the name of Dan Sullivan, wrote a book called Unique Process Advisors, where he interviewed uh, 10 financial advisors, who were basically capped out on their earnings. They couldn't earn any more because of the way the commission structures were set up. So what they did is they basically quit their job, uh, took what they knew, repackaged it into a product and exponentially grew their revenue and their impact because they had something unique that you couldn't buy anywhere else. One of the great examples, I think, that's happened in the online world in recent history uh, about this is uh, Russell Brunson's ClickFunnels, the explosion in popularity of ClickFunnels. Uh, What Russell basically did was took a page builder allowed you to put those pages in folders and called it a funnel. And one of the big frustrations I had with lead pages at the time that I was using was my pages weren't organized. They were all over the place. And I wanted to see them in a chronological order as the user moved through. And I didn't know that was called a funnel, but Russell basically put them in folders, called them a funnel and said to me, you need a funnel. You don't need landing pages. You need a funnel. I went, yeah, you're right. And guess what? The only place you can get a funnel is from ClickFunnels. So it was an absolute stroke of genius. And he's told that story really well. So what I want to talk about is how, how – you know, so you, you – you, the pain of losing this job uh, forces you to go back to the office and write up the social, your social voice methodology. How do you then go to a client – I understand the benefits of having a product in terms of training your team, how to deliver it, um, pricing, marketing, all that kind of stuff. But how do you go to a client who thinks they're hiring someone to perform a service – and how do you re-educate them that, well, you know, this is our process and this is the product and this is what's included and this is what's excluded and this is beyond scope and this is the price point? Do you find resistance from clients or do you find that clients feel more comfortable because you have something that they recognize?
0: Well, it's funny because everyone comes through. Originally, all the conversations we have is like, cool, we want Facebook ads, and that's why people come to us. Yeah. But then when I talk to them and explain to, explain them, and I think it's – um. Uh, from um uh, breakthrough advertising by eugene schwartz he ah, covers yeah. off on the levels of market sophistication and it's like when you get to the very end it's like the only thing really that you can differentiate is the unique mechanism yep. and that's what you really like what you're talking about there it's like that's what we really hone in on and i talk about how we target and it's like well everyone else has a name for how they do something and it's like well really why shouldn't we why shouldn't we have that and why shouldn't that be our differentiator? So like I started talking about how we do targeting and I call, cool, we do use the site set targeting method. Then we use the mogul method for video retargeting. We use this, this, this. And they go, wow. When they go speak to the next Facebook ads person, they're like, oh, do you do like site set targeting? And they're like, what's that? Do you you use the mogul method? And they're like, what's that? And it's like, oh, you don't do that. Okay, cool. So then they always come back to us and it's like, we never have an argument on price because we have our methodology of how we of how we do everything. Yeah. And then they just go, okay, wow, like it's it's so much easier. And we're we're uh, much like oh, not much more, but we're normally uh, a little bit more than most other people when it comes to we're charging our fees. But when they understand that we're using something unique that we've developed, then we're going to use it for them. Mm. Generally speaking, we don't have much. Um, uh, we don't have many problems with that. Like we don't have much of a problem at all yeah. when it comes to if they're in the right ballpark for who we work with.
1: Because you've changed the narrative, you're no longer talking about a service that someone else can provide, which ends up just being an argument on price. You've mm-hmm. changed the narrative, and now you're talking about something that you can offer that they can't get anywhere else. Yeah, yeah it's uh, it's genius. Where did you learn this stuff apart from Eugene's book? Which funny you mentioned that because I've it's it's in my library on the Kindle. I just bought that book recently on on the Amazon Kindle store. I've got it lined up to read next. I'm really really looking forward to. It. But, but apart from that, where did you learn to take your IP and package your IP up into a unique process? How, like the mechanics of doing that?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, like, I've been in lots of, I'm always in mastermind groups, always learning, because I think you, you know, if you're not learning, you're dying, right? So I go, yeah. I'm always exposed to that. But I also used to notice it in so many other places. And I would just remember, and every time I would remember the stories, and I can't remember um, exactly who told them to me, but I was going through and I was looking at, um the uh on like the advertising like tv advertising and a few other things and those there, was, there were all these stories about these big brands and i remember reading about um p90x mm. right they became i think it's like a billion dollar brand and they did all this sort of stuff and i looked at it and i was like these guys are just training at the gym i was like well like why is this any different from any other sort of business and it's like well because I, I don't train at the gym i do p90x yeah, yeah and the yeah. same then i saw like crossfit come out and all these other things and i'm like all these people are doing are exactly the same thing mm-hmm. but we you know unless you're put it, you're looking at it through like a marketing lens you're like oh like oh this is a new oh, I only train at F45 I only do crossfit it's like no you
1: you do exercise yeah that's right that's all you, do, you do a right? group class at the gym with a personal trainer instructing the group that's what it's called it's called group training at the gym no no yeah. it's p90x it's, yeah i get it it's crossfit yeah
0: yeah so all these things and i was like okay well if all these people are doing it as well then really that's what i should be doing with mine and then once once we started to do that internally what we presented to clients then it's like well if we have a system and a method for everything that we do then we should also be able to put that into it training program to train people how to do it as well mm. because like we need to build it internally anyway mm. so you may as well you know you use this and leverage it and I always remember there was a story of I think it was I think it's Henry Ford when they were talking about the Ford Motor Plant when they first started and it's like all the byproduct that comes out of everything that they build. And it's like, at each level, I remember hearing, I was like, this guy is just a genius. It's like, they had cars. So when they had cars, they built them out of wood. So then they start, then they owned the wood factory. And then the wood, they had all this mulch and they used the mulch to turn it into wood burners for stoves. And it's like, well, all this stuff you create is a byproduct. So, yeah. you know, and I think it was um, one of Jay Abraham's books as well, I read get getting all you, everything you can out of all you've got or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and in there, it just kept like, it's like you make this stuff, why do you not utilize it? You like it? Why do you not use it and sell it? And then it was like, oh, every time now I'm like, we make something and I'm like, oh, hang on, go back to this thought process and go, cool, what else can we do with this now that we've made it for ourselves? Like someone else will want it if we want it.
1: Yeah, 100%. Um, you've touched on one of my favorite topics, which is how you can leverage your business by offering done for you services to clients and then working with clients to, t- to kind of teach them how to do it themselves, which is like a done-for-you coaching model, and then packaging that up into some kind of online course, which is the do-it-yourself model. Hey, go learn how we do it, but I'm not going to help you. Here's my information that's at a lower price point. I can serve more people because it's automated. I don't need to be involved in actually selling it or delivering it. Uh, at, when did you start to realize that there were not only other Uh, revenue opportunities, but there was an opportunity there to help more people through leveraging your intellectual property into those different delivery models. Because it's a really, not many people get their head around this. And I think it's such a wasted opportunity in a lot of businesses. As you say, there's IPs sitting around on the floor everywhere, just not being utilized.
0: Yeah, it's so true. Like I actually first started trying to do it. And to be honest, I sucked at the the generating the online sales model. I had, I built this, um, I was doing when I was still internally working for a company and doing the ads, I built my own Facebook ads training and I was gonna sell it for like 49 bucks a month. And it was pretty comprehensive. And I was doing it, I had an online sales page, I was running traffic to it. I even got um, some people, my graphic designer at the time, got her to try and do sales calls for it. And we were just struggling to sell this $49 thing. And I was like, why, and I tried to figure out in my head, was like, why was that the case? And I was like, well really, I don't know yet enough There's no comparison, two things. One, there was no comparison for people. It was like, cool, just the $49 thing. That's all that there is. Mm. And also, I didn't really know the pain enough for why they would want to use it. I was like, this is great content, Mm. but there's not enough. I don't know how to articulate the pain for them well enough for them to take action upon it. Mm. So I was like, okay. And then I started learning um, sales. I got some sales mentors and stuff as well. And I was like, well, number one. All they think that I do is when I sell something and they talk to them and it's a $60,000 contract for a full year of us to do your marketing for you, or it's $5,000 for done for you, like to do it yourself. They're like, oh, okay, I can pay 60. I can pay, oh, my well, I take the $5,000 option, right? As or, But there's no comparison for them before. It's like, oh, $49, no, I, I don't really need it. And I always find now, like I struggle. I suck at selling things cheaply. Hmm. Like if I try and sell a, even like an event, we, set, we did an event last year and it was tickets were like a thousand bucks. I sucked at selling them. My sales guys were great at selling them. And then we started selling like, you know, when I was selling sixty thousand dollar contracts, they're easy for me to. Sell. I have the conversations and it's done and it's a deal. Um, I don't know why. I don't know if that's a limiting belief of mine or what, but I just suck at selling cheap stuff. Um, so we had that, but then also I didn't know the pain. And once I started selling done for you, and I was having conversations around that, I was like, oh, I get more now. Why people need to do it? Why they have to do it? And how I can convey that pain to them and really dig deeper into that um, mm-hmm. by having those um, calls for the for the like the done for your model, because really, if we look at that, that's the magic pill everyone wants. Is they just want to wake up, have leads and sales in their bank account. Yeah. So once I started getting more into that, I was like, Ah, oh, now I can better articulate why they should do the training. Also, because I understand, I've been talking to them about the really what they want at the end of the day. Now I can articulate that in either the do it yourself, the done with you, or the done for you model much much better.
1: Yeah, yeah. What's the most fun for you? The the done for you, the done with you, or the do it yourself? The
0: f- most fun for me to sell the most fun for me to execute?
1: The most fun for you to execute?
0: Um, probably the do-it-yourself. And the reason why is because it's like I get a kick where someone messages me and they like, we're going to message the other day. The guy followed like one video on our very first module. He hasn't watched anything else. And he's like, I just made 36 grand. Wow. And I was like, <laughs> that's ridiculous. That's so amazing. And it's like it's cool when I didn't even like yeah. when when I do and do the work and it's like oh, I get why there's a result but it's yeah. like when they watch the video and they did it I'm like that makes me feel so happy
1: yeah yeah and up until that point you don't even know who this guy is and that you just get a message from someone saying hey I watched your training you just made 36 grand thanks it's like awesome you feel <laughs> like you're having an impact in the world that's great um yeah. Hey, sneaky little sidebar. I noticed on your website that you've got these logos of publications that you've been featured in, and they're quite impressive. I can't remember what they are off the top of my head, um, but I was just looking at them before. How do you do that, man? Because I've always wanted to be like, I would think you were featured in ClickFunnels and a couple of other big um, online kind of news publications. How does that come about? What's the process for reaching out and kind of getting that kind of PR
0: so there's two ways. One is, as with everything, there's always a way you can just pay and you can get into them, mm-hmm. right? There's, I know there's guys like, you can get a whole article written on you on entrepreneur.com for like 1500 bucks US, wow. which is not too bad. Um, so there's a lot of people that will do that. Half of them, in all honesty, one of them, I was in a group of people, we paid 750 and then they wrote articles about, featured us with like Grant Cardone, Kevin Harrington, all these people when we were part of that. Mm-hmm. And I think we paid yeah like 750 US a month and they got us featured in there and Links to us and everything like that. Hmm. The other side was just like network hustling connection. So at the time, one of my um, a guy that I, I met this guy once and I told him talking about I talked talked about ClickFunnels to him. He'd never heard of it. He went on to write this big article of lead pages versus ClickFunnels. Became their number one affiliate um, and then became their head of content production. Uh, you probably um, wow. you probably know him. Know him being over in uh, in Melbourne. He's running the uh, big conference coming up in uh, in uh, <laughs> Melbourne over there. Um, so I became friends with him and then he became the head of content for ClickFunnels. And then he's like, oh, we need a, um, we need articles, we need good content. Do you want to write us an article to be featured on the ClickFunnels website about um, Facebook ads and uh, event funnels using ClickFunnels? And I was like, hell yeah, I want to do that. Like, that would be wicked. So then I just started, like mapped the whole thing out, the process that we use to fill events for clients. I so did free or uh, like very cheap intro events yep. and wrote okay. the whole thing. And then yeah, he featured it on there and yeah, we got to, Get a lot of good credibility from from ClickFunnels and from yeah the marketplace around event funnels for that as well.
1: Awesome, uh, it's it's kind of um it's like one of those social proof credibility indicators on websites when people see those logos, it instantly just adds credibility to the story. Yeah, yeah.
0: And it's always good for us because we know how to run ads. So it's like we run ads with their name in it and we we boosted all of those articles. Most of them at the time were like the most featured articles on those or most shared articles on those sites because we just ran paid ads to them as well.
1: Mm, Nice. Um, Before the call, you mentioned that you've got a new product coming out uh, for agencies. You want to talk to us about that?
0: Yeah. So again, I was doing the same thing at the start of this year. I was looking at it and to be honest, also, I wanted to to find something that we could – Sell that provided a massive amount of value because one of the byproducts we were getting is we charge on average five thousand dollars a month to manage people's ads. Mm-hmm. When we tell people that, if they then don't want to, if they really don't want to do it themselves and we can't sell them on and enroll them in that idea, they go out and they pay someone else two to three grand a month. Mm. And sometimes we'll refer if it's like a specialist that we know about, other times we won't. We're going, Well. That is one byproduct we have. The other is we have, and we've been building out all our internal ad management guides. Our inter- We get interns come in, we've got intern guides, all this sort of stuff. And I was like, it looks really like, and we always, we have a full-time designer, so they all look amazing as well. And I was like, we have these assets. I was like, why am I not, and why am I not packaging this up for agencies and going, hey, look, take everything that we've done to grow to an agency that's done, uh, does over a million dollars a year, it's got a two common club award, all this cool stuff or if they follow our system, they'll be able to achieve that. And we've got this byproduct of people coming to us who are willing to pay two to three grand a month. We just don't wanna, we wanna only work with people paying 5K plus like if we match them well, we put those two things together that is like an unstoppable thing for an agency to grow you know tremendously and everyone that I've talked about to it we've only just packaged it up and the first two people that I spoke to about it bought it and I've they've already I've already referred them the first two people and they've already like basically paid for the program because I've given them two referrals that both signed up with them cuz they're just people want it they're hungry for it
1: very cool and again it's another example of going we produce this stuff anyway let's leverage it let's let more people get their hands on it let's get it to pay for itself it's another profit center in the business and it's helping more people out
0: exactly yeah. and it's like well we've, the other thing that i always find with referrals is it's hard sometimes because if you send a referral to someone and that one person is just say not the best at facebook ads they don't get them the best result the person you refer doesn't remember that person. They remember you. It's like, oh, Kim told me to go and work yeah, with Troy. totally. And I didn't get the best result. Yeah. Or I did. It's like, oh, well, how can I make sure that the people I send them to get them the best results? Like, well, if I give them my system, they yeah. have to get the best result that I know possible anyway.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. Um, it's tricky getting your IP out of your head and into a system, isn't it?
0: yeah big time it's uh it's taken me a long time to and every time I, I remember i go through it and then we've been updating ours and someone will ask me a question and then i just spurt the stuff out and they're like oh that wasn't in the guide i'm like oh crap
1: I forgot yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> do you have do you did your team collaborate on the guide to keep on the on the ip and the documentation to keep it updated or are you kind of the bottleneck are you like the gatekeeper of all that stuff
0: no so now that we collaborate on so as well they'll ask me um questions so basically i go the process that we have so we've got an account they'll work through it and they say kim i've got a question on this i'm like cool have you consulted the guy they're like yep i still can't figure it out i go okay cool so then i get them to see if they can figure it out so that they can add their brain power to it as well Mm -hmm. then if they can't then they'll come to me and i'll go cool look at it all and then like I try and either voice record or whatever we can at the time so we document it and yep. go, cool. This is what I would do next to solve that problem. Yeah. So we can collaboratively keep building it. Because as well, sometimes the other guys will go, Oh yeah, I was gonna do this. And I'm like, Oh, that's a great idea. You definitely should I wasn't gonna say that, but you definitely should try that first.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's 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 rewarding, isn't it, when you hire people and then you realise that they've actually got better ideas than you.
0: <laughs> oh, it's so good when you they're like, I was gonna do this, I'm like Yes.
1: That's a great (laughs) idea. (laughs) You know, you're hiring the right people. Hey, this has been awesome. I am am conscious of people's time and your time included as well. Um, Where can people reach out to connect with you, learn more about what you're doing with the methodology and the leads and that that, um, product there for the agencies that you spoke about?
0: Yeah, definitely. So our website, Your Social Voice is a plethora of information and obviously our Facebook page too. And we've just started rolling out, uh, which is Your Social Voice on Facebook. And we've also just started rolling our YouTube channel. So we're dropping two videos a week and a vlog a week, um, every, single, every single week on YouTube. So there's heaps of uh, stuff on there. And if you pay attention to the vlogs, you'll kind of see some of the sneaky behind the scenes methodology pop up in there as well.
1: Awesome. So yoursocialvoice.com.au and your social voice is the Facebook page and your social voice is the YouTube handle as well for the YouTube studio channel. Fantastic. Hey, Kim, thank you so much for being generous with your time and letting us uh, in to take a little bit of a sneak peek into the business and uh, look forward to keeping in touch and uh, see how things roll out
0: my pleasure thank you for so much for having me
1: awesome thank you for watching the wp elevation podcast that was kim barrett from your social voice here in western australia if you like the podcast please subscribe at itunes just go to wpelevation.com slash itunes and leave us a rating and a review it really does help us come up in the search results and you can find us on facebook and youtube as well just look for wp elevation and follow us on those social platforms i look forward to speaking with you again on the podcast until then i'm troy dean go elevate